The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. 22. What do you mean? 22. After all the uncertainties of the past two years, there's been an expectation and a hope for a more normal 22-23. But now the question is... USC and UCLA do. They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics? Mad transfers. How did it get hit? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. A what? You know, portaled from wherever you were to here. What's that? It's a, a different kind of portal. Oh, it's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignments. They both big pencils. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back. And the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover. And we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning and welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. John Warren with uh, TJ Matthewson. Good morning, TJ. How are you feeling? Oh, lousy. <laughs> but it's a one-day thing. Yesterday I had a uh, really bad headache and, and uh, really, really sore throat. And just thought, you know, with everything I have to do on Saturday, i got to take the day off. So I did, and um, it worked out. Got enough rest. I'm still kind of losing my voice a little bit, but I think I'll be okay. And the headache and all that stuff is gone. Um, really the biggest thing, and it was a mistake I made last night. I did this last night. I took a full dose of NyQuil before going to bed, which normally would be fine. That's what the commercials says. The problem is, for me and NyQuil, it lasts for like a day and a half. Mm-hmm. And so there's that woozy feeling you get from it. When you wake up, especially and, as and early as you wake yes, up. Yes, and, I, and I, I didn't account for that. I think I took it at 8.30 at mm-hmm. night and get up at 3.30 in the morning, so that's seven hours. Uh, it wasn't enough. This morning, during the Clue Morning Update, it was all I could do to put my head down and just go to sleep. But right now I feel great. I don't know why, but I feel alert, alive, and ready to go. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm guessing that medicine lasts usually, probably wants you, it's envisioning you'll go to sleep for probably 10 hours, because it it probably assumes you're sick the next day. Yeah, right. So, you know, it probably wanted you to sleep until 8 o'clock. Not not good for for short-term sleep, but anyway, uh, appreciate you taking over yesterday, and and I listened to the show uh, via the podcast so I could stay up on things and uh, some great interviews. Uh, it was fun to listen to you and the kid from Arizona State. <laughs> a lot of memories. Going over the things that you used to deal with. I like the grammar issue. Uh, that's very important. I know. And it makes sense for a journalism school. Absolutely. It, more sense for a, a print journalist. I'm not sure what Blake's eventual, his end game is yeah. in this industry. Not mine. I'm <clears throat> probably the worst typer and speller and writer, as you like to say, um, in the world. So... You can just tell how much I've learned from that. No, 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 no. You're a very good writer. I've read your articles. It's your handwriting that's terrible. Yeah, I can punch a keyboard with the best of them. I can't yeah, spell that well. And like in a whim, if I'm like typing a text out, 
or in a group chat or something. I'm the most likely person to misspell something, yeah. leave out a word. Ah, that's okay. Mispronounce something. You know, it, that's okay. it happens to the best of us. I will say, though, that in modern journalism, in, in news and in sports writing, they're uh, still not, the grammar is still not perfect. There are two main things that a lot of people get wrong. Ran and run. And when ran is used as a past tense, it doesn't work. We had ran this offense. Yeah. I hear that all the time. <clears throat> we had ran. It's a past tense, past tense. Is that not we? We ran this offense last year. So it's or we ran or run. we had run. Yes. Right. Okay. So that's a common mistake. A second common mistake is he and him next to the word and. People make that mistake all the time today in conversation. Well, her and I went to the store. No, it's she and I went to the store. Her and should never go together. He and should never go together. See, now that you tell me that, that's... Or him and. That's not even something that would have computed. Cause it, it, him and I went to the store. No, he and I went to the store. It sounds like it works. It doesn't sound too awkward. Maybe for, the, for you, yeah. it might sound like, oh... What are you this doing? Guy, you, what are you doing? You, 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 you obviously failed your grammar class. You whippersnappers. But like, if I'm sitting here listening to that, uh, like her and well, I, her and I sounds normal. Uh, it doesn't sound the best. She, she and I went to the store. He what? and I went to the store. Her and and he should not go in. Or her and him should not go in front of the word and. Right. Okay. And it's a, it's a common mistake. If you, you had writing too. If you had me take that grammar class again. I don't know if I get 80% right now. I don't think so. Yeah, it, it was a long would. time. It's I, about six, five and a half years ago now I've that not, I passed I've not, that. I've not heard you say anything wrong. So I think you'd do just fine. I think I got about an 84% That'd that be a hard class, class for me. That, that'd be hard. Those AP style type courses are mm. really hard. Really hard. In fact, uh, let's see, J250, I think it was, it wasn't the grammar class that I remember. It was uh, just regular writing principles of grammar, but mm -hmm. mostly of, um, see, I'm not even smart enough to remember the, the word mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, making sure that you have your words correct, like contraction words and stuff like that. Well, the biggest thing about the class was, you know, in most, it will give it, the tests were like four sentences, which one's right, yeah. which one is grammatically correct. And a lot of them look well, very similar. Just say it out loud. Very similar. But as you just mentioned with the, the, what was it? The, 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 he and I are ran. He and yeah. Like the, he, you know, he and I went to the store. She and I went to the school, uh -huh. the store, not, not him and him I. and I went to the store. <laughs> right. So that sounds a little different than her. I think her and I went to the store sounds a little, her. a little more natural than, than him and I went to the store. And I'll tell you this, her and I is as common as the day is long. Everybody says it and it's not correct. Hmm. It's just weird. It is. But so, anyway. so you need to be the the Mid Valley's uh, eh, grammar mongol. No, Excuse I, me, sir. Excuse me. Um, I was just paying police. attention to your sentence structure and just wanted to let you know it's wrong. Grammar police. It is actually um, she and I went to the store. Maybe we have another grammar police on the phone line here. So uh, rundown for today's show. We have a couple of somewhat confirmed possible guests uh, in the 12 o'clock hour, potentially, Danny Evans, the associate head coach for Prairie A&M, uh, Prairie View A&M, 
women's basketball. They'll be here playing tomorrow, a 1 o'clock tip-off against Oregon State. Uh, they'll land sometime at PDX in the 12 o'clock hour. So if Danny Evans has time, we will get him he's on the, the program air. here. Yeah, he's in the air right now. Uh, we did put out a request to Terry Boss here sometime in the 11 o'clock hour. We Hopefully got a we from Coach Boss. We got a maybe on that, so we will we will hold pattern to see if Terry will come on and talk about his know. his team here, which just had a bye, and will play on Sunday. We do know the time and the opponent, but the opponent I think was was a uh, foregone conclusion. Uh, the Pilots won last night over Riverside. Two to one, the Riverside Highlanders. And so they will be the opponent. The Beavers got a buy because they were an eight seed. The top 16 seeds all got buys. The Beavers got a buy, waiting to see who they play and what time. So they'll play the Portland Pilots for the third time this year, and they'll play Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Sunday night at 6 o'clock um, is what it's going to be. It's going to be clear but it's going to be cold. So be ready to cheer and warm up and get some hand warmers. At least all the players will be warm. Yeah, they'll be warm. But that's great. That's great. So we'll talk, uh, hopefully get a chance to talk with Coach Boss today. The phone call was from Brooks Hatch. And Brooks, he was a good friend. He um, was a writer for the better part of 30-some-odd years and said the best way, he says I'm right, and the best way to eliminate any issues is just take the word and out of it. She went to the store. He went to the store. Now, it doesn't include you yourself because that's the message you're conveying. Isn't that a big part of it? He and I, she and I. Yeah, it is. It is. He went to the store with me, but that's not correct either, is it? I think it's it he is. Went to, I think it is. It would be. I well, don't know. He and I went to the store. It's just, it's just jarring to hear her Him and, and I went to the store. Or he or him and. Her and anything behind it. Mm-hmm. Him and anything behind it is jarring to me, just as ran. The word ran cannot be used with another past tense word. One pat, yeah, one past tense word in a sentence. And that mistake is made often. By we had of, ran. Yeah, no, we had ran. You had run. Right, and I hear it from broadcasters on ESPN say using that incorrectly. It's like, oh, were you born in a barn? But maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a, a grammar snob. Everyone's rusty on their grammar. I suppose. But you can get it. I don't hold The it English language them. is a fickle, I don't hold complex. So thanks, Brooks, for that, for set that phone of call. Sounds and letters and words. And I, 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 I really feel for anyone who has to learn it. Yeah. Because it is. It's not easy. It, it is the not. The classes aren't easy, and it's boot camp for. Making sure that it's correct. Right. I used to I used to board op. I used to run a show at an old station I worked at, and it was uh, G. Gordon Liddy of Watergate fame. He had a, a show, and and he was just, he would do read news and comments. So he'd read out of the paper, and then he'd comment on it, and he would just butcher the poor grammar or spelling or you know whatever word usage, and. It, it was funny to me the way he did that. He would just, oh, well, that's terrible, you know, and he, and he would just rip on it. But um, So the grammar in the paper was incorrect or yes. his grammar was no, incorrect? No, the grammar in the writing was incorrect. Oh, well, that seems like a poor business model for a newspaper. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> I would think so. Well, but What is the editor through, doing? Things get through that you just wonder, you go, huh, what happened there? Aren't editors supposed to be like uh, exactly. grammatical and, well, wizards? I mean, how many times have we seen in our local paper – 
you know, some big things like Oregon for Oregon State on, mm-hmm. a, on a marker. Now, I have refrained until that comment right there mm-hmm. from ripping on them because they're a small market paper. We're, we're a small market radio station, and we have screw-ups all the time. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe in jumping on my colleagues in the business for things that, Unless my house is clean, and it's right. not, because we have screw-ups all the time. Right. Thousands and thousands of words on a piece of paper. You can't. You want to see all yeah. of them yeah. and make sure everything is 100% correct, yeah. but humans no, I, do mess up occasionally. I, I, I get it. I get it. I'd love to be perfect here, but we can't even come close. But it is, you know, we try to do what we can do and bring you the best in, in local sports as much as we can. That's the whole point, is bring live sports, which is what I've, um, you know, been on a, a quest to do since taking over the two stations about 10 years ago. And that is live is better mm-hmm. than sitting there and talking about it. Mm-hmm. it so I, for a while there, I was grabbing up, they will be offered uh, sports radio and, and news radio is a lot like anything else where there's people out there that their job is to throw you, Hey, we've got this for sale. We've got this for sale. So what happens is they'll say to me, do you want to carry this college football bowl game? And if so, you can sell. We'll give you so many ad spots. You can make some money off it. And our money comes from the spots that they've already sold. Mm-hmm. So when you hear them talk about network versus local, a network ad is what whoever's producing that mm-hmm. went out and got Burger King and all these national ads. And then you get the local ads for your mom and pops mm-hmm. like the Natty Dresser or or Downward Dog, which is how it works. It's great. Same thing with Learfield. That's how we work with them. And so I'm constantly offered up ball games and bowl games. But on years when we have staff, I take it. On years when we don't and it's, you know, they say you can automate it, but I always have to listen to the radio if I'm at home with my family and it's supposed to be Thanksgiving or something and we're running something and I'm mm-hmm. automating it. I'm never really not working. Especially it's a first time thing. Yes. And you don't know how it's going to work. Right. And for a one-off bowl game, we get one chance. Exactly. And and for years I took the Super Bowl and the same thing. I just, yeah, it would work, but then it wouldn't. And I just, it made me nervous the whole mm. time and something happened anyway. And I stopped taking the Super Bowl, but and you can just hear the Super Bowl on any por- on a Portland station. I think seven fifty. Well, the whole point the, the whole point being that it, you, we all have to go places and run errands, even if right. it's to go get some extra chips. So why not have it on the radio so you can have it when you run into the store? And then for people who have to work a shift somewhere and they're in a production facility or a garage somewhere, and they can have the radio on. Right. And live is better. I just love I love radio uh, sports on the radio. And it, and it is easier for, again, bigger stations, as you mentioned, who have the staff right. that will that can monitor and have quicker fixes and, and yeah. such like that. So until I got you or, and Josh before you, I couldn't really do I, – I picked up all that stuff because in a non-rated market for us, it's hard to say, well, what's your value? Well, my value is I got you all these different sports things. We pulled them off. Mm-hmm. It sounded great, and it gave us more chance to make more money. Instead of just carrying talk programming where you you can sell it but not real well, you sell other things. Right. So, you know, we've been doing that for years, and we're still doing it this year. We got the Raiders. In fact, the Raiders started out as a COVID filler, mm-hmm. and we just kept them. Yeah, I remember you you explaining that story to me where it really – this was a point when the Raiders season started in 2020. The Beavers weren't playing at all. So 
you said, well, we need something. Yeah. We need something on the air. And the Raiders offered that up. The NFL didn't, wasn't on a delay. They started right on time. That's and, right. And it was a, a good idea. Now, third and there season. Was a, there was a station in Eugene that carried them, and I had to get their clearance. And they were really cool. Like, absolutely. Let, let them carry it up there. And uh, there's no clash, I don't think. And so we've, now it's too bad that they're terrible this year. Oh, they're awful. And the whole thing with Gruden, all of that. But it's fun to have them on. And, and their automation works real smooth. We don't have any problems with them. And that works. Dave is on the line. Dave, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. By the way, we're, we have opportunity to talk all day until we hear from Danny Evans in the second hour. And if we get a word that we'll get Terry Boss this hour. But I don't think that that's going to come in. So, Dave, fire away. Good, good morning, gentlemen. Well, uh, a few uh, little potpourri of items, uh, John, if I might, since there seems to be some latitude. First of all, a question to you, TJ. That sports update that Mike excerpted a couple of days ago, when does that appear during the KEJO or Bicoastal broadcast day? Uh, whenever I remember to put it in something. So it's pretty. It's <laughs> random. It's it's not uh, pre-programmed in. I have to go into our our production bank and and move, manually move it in there. Is that something, John? You would consider doing during the Joe Beaver show, or is that unnecessary? Well, I'll tell you what. You know, I was sitting around thinking we've got promos and everything, and we've got all this audio that we're getting that we didn't used to get. So I came to TJ and said, let's make these things. I was going to voice half of them. I just haven't had the chance to. And TJ's voicing them all, and it's great. And I just thought it was filler. It was filler for the day because the days, there are so many spot breaks in a, in a network show like a Doug Gottlieb or whatever. We can't fill them all with, with regular ads. Some days we're pretty full, but a lot of times we're not, especially at nighttime. So it was an idea to come up with 60-second filler, and I just told TJ, Let's make these things. And he ran with it. I should have been doing more of my, of my own. And I think they've been great. We could. We could throw them in. We have time sometimes, but sometimes we don't. So if you want to hear them, yeah, I'll throw them in. In fact, I'll throw one in the next break. <laughs> well, anyway, well, like I said yesterday, it's a great, uh, TJ did a great job of it. I was yeah. sincere when, when I said it's as, it's as high a caliber as what the guys who break in on the half hour do on uh, Chris Russo's show, and you know that I consider that the gold standard of uh, sports talk radio. But let me ask you, John, were you listening yesterday when I suggested that Cal paint a trombone in the end zone where <laughs> Kevin Mullen hit that uh, trombone player, or the corollary idea, which is that for the so-called rivalry game, Oregon State paint Ken Simonton's number in the southeast, uh, the middle of the southeast corner of the end zone there at Research Stadium. I I abs- I didn't hear it, and I listened to the whole podcast yesterday, so I must not have been paying attention. But I absolutely love the trombone idea. I love that idea. I think that is a great idea, and they should do that. What's there's nothing more frustrating than when you come up with a great idea. I, I mean, a really good idea. And you tell someone in power, and they personally don't think it is, and they poo-poo it. And then later you find out that they, they end up doing it anyway down the road. So that is a great idea, especially with Starkey going out, the 40-year anniversary of the whole thing, 
and the significance of it. That is a great idea. I like the Simonton idea. I'm thinking of trying to think if there's anything more significant on Civil War stuff. I suppose that would be the one. That would be the one, the 98 well, victory. Well, well, isn't that, I mean, you have a longer history with that series than I do. Isn't that one, from an Oregon State perspective, isn't that the single greatest play in Oregon State's uh, Civil War history? Well, what that, am I missing since then? Uh, that's... Uh, I'm just trying to rack my brain here. I don't think there is a, a better Civil War uh, rivalry game, if you will. I don't think there's a better play in that series. I'm trying to think because prior to that, 2000, you had you know you had the 29 years of losing. Now, Oregon State won a bunch of Civil Wars in that 29 years, but yes. not in the dramatic fashion that that was. I wish, I wish that that would have been for a winning season, but unfortunately it was one year off. Yeah, you know, if they had won that game up in Seattle, Jonathan Smith's coming out party, it would have been. Yeah. Well, let, well, let me, well, what, so let me keep, uh, uh, this has been a two-week run on the play, Joe Starkey. Uh, the, Mike, the conversation that they had, uh, TJ and Mike had yesterday about the fact, I mean, whether the guy's knee was down, but, but they talked about the backward lateral, the very last transition of the football. I went on YouTube. I kind of looked at that kind of frame by frame. Like the guy's knee down a couple tosses earlier, it's borderline. But it brings to mind, and maybe if there's a physicist out there, uh, the, the guy who tosses the ball to the to the touch, Kevin Mullen, who scores the touchdown. Yeah. You because both he and the ball are moving through space, and so if you if if you jump up, you're not going to come down at the same spot. When you're kind of anyway, let me let me get off there. It's way too complicated. Let me move John to the last thing, which is one of your favorite axioms, because this is the time of the year when the John Warren uh, uh, football rankings axiom kicks in. And I got to be, I got to thinking about. I mean, your big point is that in the at the end of the year, which is where we are now. Yeah. It's the total number of wins that matter with your ranking. And you can see it kicking in with the University of Washington, with Oregon State, two out of the last three weeks. But I got to thinking about, you know, there's a pattern to the whole year's top 25 ranking. But let me let me run this out, think about it, comment on it, and just you can cut me off and okay. give me the guillotine treatment. The first two or three weeks of the rankings are the beauty contest and name recognition. Yes. Yes. of the rank. You agree with me? Yes, absolutely. The AP rankings or the playoff rankings? AP. The AP rankings. Okay. Our, our beauty contest and name recognition. The next eight weeks or so, it's the number of losses dictate who's where in the rankings. But now we're in the phase where it's the total number of wins. John, what do you think? I just took, I just took your basic idea but I just uh, just uh, yeah. developed a typology that covers the whole college football season. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right, especially when you're looking at uh, you know the different bowl positionings. If you're a team that is going to be in play for the CFP, then yes, they'll look back at who you played and who you didn't play. I, I'll amend my statement. I used to say never, and TJ, tell me if you agree with this, Never have they ever looked back and said and broke down a team's schedule like they do for the NCAA tournament. 
But they do if you're going to be a top four team. Mm-hmm. That does come into play. So an amendment to my stance. However, Dave, you're right. It's total number of wins at this time of year for how it looks like they'll be positioned. And for the Pac-12, it's supposed to be slotted mm-hmm. with the ability for bowls to 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 jump someone. But you can only jump by one game. So I don't think that there's a huge factor there. Um, so, yeah, it's total number of wins, it seems to me. Yeah, well, well maybe maybe a, a, a corollary to the corollaries for with a fourteen college football playoff. Actually, it's still the number of losses, but for everyone else, once you get beyond the top four, five, six, it's the total number of wins that determine uh, your place in the rankings. Anyway, I just uh, just wanted to share that observation with you guys. Good luck tomorrow, John. Have you ever called a doubleheader before? By the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, when I was in high school or doing high school games 30 years ago, I would do the high school tournament and do three games a day, which wasn't smart because I had a horse voice and it's hard to do. I have a horse voice right now because I got sick. The doubleheader normally would not be a problem at all, except for getting a head cold yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. Yeah, Well, take care of yourself. Take some vitamin C and D. And good luck tomorrow, TJ. No doubt I'll be calling you late tomorrow afternoon. All right. Sounds good, Dave. Yeah, how about that sound? Late tomorrow afternoon. That sounds not late tomorrow. Great. Night. You know what would be even better? I'll call you while TJ, you get to host your show from Tempe late afternoon oh, yeah. tomorrow. That would that would be nice. I I have a couple of thoughts on what Dave says. I don't Let's think it's I, I know we break. take a break. I, I don't 100% agree it's all about wins. All right, hold on to that thought. We'll take a break, come back with more. The University Honda text line is always open, 541-497-5356. And the, uh, the Downward Dog phone line, same number, 541-497-5356. Back with more of the Joe Beaver Show after this on 1240 Joe Radio. Fans, this is Oregon State's defensive back Alex Austin, and you are listening to the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. All right, thanks for TJ going out there in the summertime to gather up all those clips. I miss the summer. If you remember that. All right, welcome. We continue here with the Joe Beaver Show. We're going to go to the phone lines. The Downward Dog phone line is 541-497-5356. We'll get to TJ's retort to what Dave was saying. Also, uh, I have a few things here that we'll get to. But first, John has a question. John, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Well, thank you, John Warren. Uh, Hey, uh, you know, I'm interested in regards to what your thoughts are and your co-host for the keys for tomorrow. But I think the offensive line uh, coaching staff has done a tremendous job, and I just don't see a letdown in that. And uh, anyway, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that and look forward to seeing the bees win tomorrow. Hey, you got it. And thank, thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. We'll talk. We'll, we'll answer that right now. Your thoughts from a ASU standpoint and just an overall sports fan. I just don't, I don't know if you can say, I don't see a letdown. The Beavers have won one time in the last 20 games down there. One time. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't think that you can just write it off. I don't think ASU is very good. Right. Be fair. I'm not, not being a biased ASU alum here. I, they're not, I don't think they're very good. However, there's still talented guys there on that roster. In everything that I've done, I've not had a chance to compare Oregon State, where they are in the running game, and where is ASU in the run defense. 
um, ASU's running game is how many middle yards of the they pack. Up? Because the last three games where the Beavers have run against a team that was averaging 100, 110 yards given up on the ground, the Beavers have gotten closer to 200 yards. ASU's rushing offense or defense? Defense. Uh, it's pretty bad. 99th, 175 and a half. I said 175. Da- I think Damian might run for maybe 200 yards. Absolutely. Tomorrow. I think the Beavers will run all over them. Four. UCLA ran for 406 yards on ASU without Zach Charbonnet. Okay, then I, the Beavers are not going to have any problems. With those successful runs comes clock usage, and, and it opens things up for Ben Goldbranson, who mm-hmm. had his best half, the second half of this last game. Did you, th- you thought it was? It was a good half. I don't, maybe not his best, but it was a good half. Um, yeah, it was. I just think it's hard to get a read on on that, especially the game was out of hand at halftime, and I and overall, at, I you know he had a touchdown dropped. I look at comfort level things. Uh-huh. Yeah, Treshawn had one right in his basket. He has to catch that. Yeah, I look at comfort level in the pocket, ability to see things, which has been a challenge for him mm-hmm. early. It's been getting better, though, from game one at Utah, or what, what game was it, Stanford? It was Utah. Four, he comes in, gets sacked four times, and was a deer in the headlights. Cut that down dramatically against Utah and started to feel better and look better in the pocket. So that has been improved upon. Um, comfort level on throws, medium and short throws. If you're throwing it into the ground, a lot of times guys will get, be so tight. They're so tight, and they're just, mm, and there it is, down around the knees. Mm-hmm. Get it up. Relax. Just get it to him. Get it up. And that started to look a lot better in this last game and previous game as well. Um, he just, one thing is throwing into coverage. Everybody celebrates him when there's a great catch made in triple team and forgets that was a lousy decision right there. Mm-hmm. And we've only had a few guests on who would say that. Like, yeah, I don't know where we was going with that, but that sure was a great catch by XYZ. Well, you got to look at the negatives on that because you want to correct it. You want to have joy, and as fans, you, yay, we, yeah, great catch, we won. Okay, fine. But if you're breaking things down and you're directing things, you're going, okay, that was great. But not, I mean, not to be a killjoy. That's the coach's yeah. job is to say you need to get better at this, and why'd you throw into there? He had to in that Stanford situation. The plus for Ben... The throwing conditions tomorrow will be ideal. Yes. ASU does not rush the passer well at all. 14 sacks on the season. Yeah. It will be about 70 degrees, sunny. It almost like you're painting a picture of perfection for Oregon State. Right. The, the sun peeking out over a mountain a little bit. I mean, it'll be a little horizontal in the sky, but, you know, the nice rare day game in Tempe. I think mm-hmm. I went to one as a fan <laughs> when I was down there. It was be- that was a beautiful game. Yeah. They should do more of those, except it's, you know, you're right. It is too hot. Uh, about 70. That's not too hot. No, that's just perfect. Sit out there in shorts and a t-shirt yeah. and relax. I just, it, it will be ideal throwing conditions, and he will be facing another bad defense. Bad defense. But you just, you need to see it. Yeah. Like, you need to see it. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not sure if I've seen what I've needed to, to be confident that he will go down there and the offense will operate without issue. I'm just, we've seen the story on the road too much. 
this year. It's just it is just so much different at home and and away. Just so much different. It's really hard to win on the road. It's especially hard to win on a road in a place you don't win ever. But for those twenty games, John, that Oregon State has played down at ASU, yeah, in Tempe, last twenty times, they've only been favored one time. Which time was that? The time they that won. Was the time they won, and they're favored again on Saturday. All right. Which leads to some more optimistic thinking. But this is unlike the UW game. Now, was it the UW game? Uh, I forget which game was labeled as a trap game. This is the definition of a trap oh, yeah. game. Going in as a favorite? Going in as a favorite down to the road to a team that fired its head coach in the Civil Wars next weekend. That By the definition of a trap game. And the other thing I wonder, they, they talk a lot about we just need to be focused and, and X and we need to just execute on the road, yada, yada, pay close attention, details, etc. Yeah, all true. Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen. However, could be a little hard to focus down there. No. Really? No. I, I, I know. I, I'm not suggesting that is what's going to happen. No. I'm just saying. I'll tell you why. For a bunch of, of college A's guys going down to some warm weather. Because from what I understand... They never really leave the compound. Correct. So they're all together, fly in, bus, hotel, walk through, hotel, sleep, get up, game, fly home. Right. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. (laughs) I'm just saying, as someone who went there, it could be hard to focus at times. Well, the only way that's going to happen is if they are given money and told, okay, the, the night before the game, you go out and go to restaurants. Right. So I don't know how that works. I don't I, know how. I would assume not. No, they, uh, don't they usually cater? I would assume they cater. They keep everything I, as yes, in-house as possible. Yes, I don't know how it works. I don't know so, how much freedom teams get. Again, to, to, I'm, I'm not that. saying that's what's going to happen. But I'm just saying from I like, experience I like, as a young person. Yeah, and I like what you described leading up to that, though. I was thinking, well, you're, you're describing the great field, great, you know, 70 degrees. 70 degrees, um, food, people. All, all of this great stuff for game environment that would make it great for players. Now, a couple of texts have come in that we can, uh, we can address. Um, somebody on the, uh, the offensive line. Line injuries may play a factor. Well, that's true. We mm-hmm. talked a little bit about it earlier. I don't think it will. I think, I think it's next man up deal. I know that's cliche, but they do coach them as a group. They coach them as yeah. a group, and they choose who's going to be the starter because, yes, that, that player is, quote-unquote, gives us the best chance to win, which is really wank-wank. They're better. This guy's better. Again, yeah. Okay, fine. But I don't think that there's that big of a drop-off. We'll find out. But a couple guys got some time in that Cal game. I don't think this would be a defense to expose it either. Again, right. near the bottom of the country in right. sacks, rushing defense, they're 99th nationally. It, I, there's just not much there to expose it, um, per se. Yeah. So, there. I, I just, yeah, I, do, I don't see, even with Tanner Miller and, um, and uh, Tyler Morano sliding in there, mo- most likely, again, we won't have a, an injury report until... The guys take the field and play tomorrow. So we won't know really about a number of injuries. And, hey, Chance could play tomorrow since we don't, we haven't asked about him. Well, but he, he could right. play. He I, absolutely I, I could. I want to say, I just want to say, I want to clear the air on this. Oh, okay. <laughs> on Monday, 
We didn't ask about Chance. I was going to, and I forgot. Honestly, I felt so bad. There was a, a text that we got from someone, not the one that uh, suggested we sack up. The one that said, you guys didn't ask about Chance Nolan or Musgrave. <laughs> uh, framed right up there. Yeah, we framed that text for future. When you don't know what to ask, and we look at that, look at that text. It's like, okay, actually, you know what? We're going to ask this question. Uh, well, okay, but the texter doesn't realize it's, there's just so much more that goes into it. If we want to have a job, number one, if we want the coaches to ever speak to us again, number two, blah, blah, blah. That's why we don't do the hard-hitting questions. The only way you can do hard-hitting questions is if you are a neutral publication or station. So if we worked in Portland and it wouldn't matter, you don't cover anybody, you cover everybody, then, yeah, absolutely, you just cut right to the chase and Mm -hmm. ask the, the tough questions. When you're us and you work closely with these coaches and you're paid by the school, then, you know, you, you don't want to tick too many people off that bad. But, no. but, but to maintain some credibility, you have to ask some of the tougher questions. And I would have, I just completely forgot and got lost in it. I was going to ask about Jebby if he would get more time. What was that? Something fell down. Um, I was going to ask about Jebby and Chance, and we didn't. And so that is on us, and I'll say us, because there was a lot of us in the room, and myself included, should have asked about Chance. I can't believe I didn't. Now, Musgrave, different situation because he's kind of, we kind of got the word from the coach, he's out. Mm-hmm. Whether verbal or nonverbal, it was like, we don't ask about him anymore because even if he's healthy, he's not probably not going to play because of his own interests. Mm-hmm. And so in that respect, um, I just got a, a text from uh, Danny Evans. They land early? He says, okay, I'm not sure about that. I have to take, take time out and do a break. We're going to need a break here any second now. But, but again, back to the point, which, what, what was I talking about? I can't remember now. Uh, you were talking about Luke Musgrave. Yeah, Musgrave. Mm, yeah, I guess we could have asked about him. But at the same time, it's almost a given he's out. You would guess the risk of re-injury would probably would be decently high yeah. if he were to come back here in the next couple of weeks, and he he's, he wouldn't play in the bowl game, right? Because he's I, he's already committed in the yeah he's already committed I think to to going pro next year, right? And then that's the other thing that people forget about because this is a newer phenomenon mm-hmm. of star players not playing in bowl games. So you get to that game and go, what, what, what? Oh, that's right. Oh, they're not going to play. You and I had a great off-air conversation in my office earlier where I just got really heated about the whole thing, which could be a complete topic here on the Joe Beaver Show. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so that, yeah, blew it. Should have asked that question. Absolutely blew it. Um, let's see. There's another one. Uh, oh, Kip. Kip wrote in earlier in the hour we were talking about, and I'll pose this as a question for next hour because we may have both hours wide open. What is the greatest play in rivalry game history, Civil War history? What's the greatest play Dave from uh, Tumwater brought up Simonton is there anything bigger than that and Kip writes in to say 19 let's see here 1941 oh that's not the one I wanted to, to read I'll read his other one here first 1964 Al East blocks a PAT and Oregon State wins 7-6 to six to put the Beavers in the Rose Bowl For the last time that was last time. That would have been the 65 Rose Bowl, yes. Yep. <clears throat> now, that's huge. 
But that's a long time ago. It's before all the hype. It's before all the, the shows and radio shows. Television. And tw- television and Twitter and all of that. So for us now to remember that, it, it hasn't been passed along, in other words. If folks from that generation talked about it and passed it along, like we heard about the giant killers. I started hearing about the giant killers and, and beating OJ in 67 when I was in junior high. And all the adults before me would talk about that. And I, that was in uh, 1975. Well, 1977, I was in junior high. Started to hear about OJ and all that 10 years after the fact. But everybody talked about that and kept it going, kept it going, kept it going. The only time that it started to go away a little bit was when Dennis Erickson came in, the Fiesta Bowl, and now you've got new things to celebrate and talk about. Mm-hmm. And Giant Killers kind of died out which is a good thing because you need to have more successes. You don't want to live off of one. But it did kind of die out because there was something new to celebrate. But so the, the, the age group, the people, the, the community, the Beaver community from, the, from 64 with the Al East Block PAT should have been reminded to all of us and kept as lore throughout the years because that is huge. You block a PAT in the Civil War and that puts you in the Rose Bowl. That's massive. But it was so long ago. I just... As a Mariner fan, I, I you know endured a lot of similar to to that of picking one specific moment a long time ago to continue celebrating when that you weren't around for, and you know you want something else to to latch on to, and that's what we kind of got this year in baseball wise. So for the Oregon State sense, it's it's kind of similar. I'm not the the person to ask for the greatest moment in Civil War history because to be honest. <laughs> Uh, the first memory of a civil war is me watching the 2017 game where Oregon won 69 to 10. So that's like, that's my, my, my only first memory of, of that. And I remember uh, tuning in late and watching chance Nolan and 20 uh, win the game against the ducks. But yeah, that's it. Wr- wrong person to, uh, to ask about that, but a good question to ask um, for anyone who might have a, a better answer than yeah. those five, four, one, four, nine, seven, Five three five six downward dog phone line or the University Honda text line. I think that's a uh, good subject to think about here on a Friday. Yeah, next hour, best play in Civil War history, rivalry game history. Let's break. We'll come back and wrap up this hour here on twelve forty Joe Radio. All right, here we go. We continue now with the uh, Joe Beaver Show. The kid is pointing to me. He's taking over. He's he's more. He's quicker than I am. To read this, that we have teamed up, KEJO has teamed up with Carcraft Auto Appearance Center to give some lucky person a pair of tickets to the upcoming rivalry game. Just text CARCRAFT, all one word, to 541-497-5356. That's the University Honda text line. Enter the drawing. Next week, we'll draw one winner. When you text, you'll receive a bounce-back coupon for a superwash for only $5 at CarCraft. Just show, uh, show them the coupon on your phone, and just in time for Christmas, CarCraft is running specials, including an interior detail and hand wax plus four supercar washes for just $145. Or get eight car washes for only $50. CarCraft at the corner of 9th and Hill in Albany. Check out all their specials online at CarCraftAlbany.com. We did a remote from there a few years ago. It was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, we're happy to, to be along with that. Um, back to something we teased for the first break, and we didn't get to it, and that was your, your response to Dave on 
uh, what was it? Uh, uh, on on wins mattering. Yeah, wins mattering. In the, in the ranking. For, for rankings and bowls. Okay. This is like a... There's a reason why they make a whole television production out of the college football playoff rankings. And I, I've heard the, the, the word it's used that it's essentially just reality TV uh, of the college football playoff rankings. They, they, they rank these teams and everyone gets to discuss about it. Like, oh, what were they thinking here, here, there? And I think Dave's retort and maybe Dave could follow up on the on the postgame show tomorrow after the Beavers and the Sun Devils uh, at 11 o'clock kickoff here on Joe, that at the beginning of the year, it's all about name and brand in your rankings in the top 25. And at the end of the year, it's about wins. However, I think I still think there's too much stock put in preseason rankings that eventually carry over to... The, these rankings right now because say you have a ranked win in week one they some depending on the program could use that as an excuse to rank you higher here later saying you had a good win for example i don't know if you remember this john there was a legitimate argument this year against tcu who is now number four yeah saying they trailed in too many games while on being undefeated, they trailed in too many games. And you're looking at that, it's like, hmm. Well, well Alabama, just... who was ranked ahead of them, lost a game. Uh, Georgia was trailing all, all, all year, uh, all game to Missouri before winning. Um, we can keep going, right? Um, the discourse about an, an eight and two LSU team will jump, would probably jump TCU if, so it, there's a scenario here where TCU could probably still go undefeated in the Big 12, maybe win the Big 12 championship by seven points per se. LSU goes 10 and two wins the or it would be 11 and two wins the SEC. Georgia would still make it because they would have been undefeated in the regular season. And then the committee would sit there and look. One of Ohio State or Michigan would win the Big 10. But then they would look at the team that the other team that lost in that rivalry and be like, do we want Ohio State or TCU in the college football playoff? Well, of course they want the big name. They, Correct. They want the and brand. who and who employs the who who employs the college football playoff committee? The uh, the the Big Ten. No, the ESPN does. Well, ESPN but, and the, right. com, the the conferences own it, and the conferences have interest with ESPN. That's why. That's why. No, I can't answer that as to why that is, but it should be a straight record over. Mm-hmm. If you get to the certain point of being in a power five or even one step low, um, if you're in a power five and your record is better than another power five, you shouldn't be talking about whether or not you trailed in games. Right. If you're 10 and two in a power five or 11 and one, or if you're undefeated, if you're 12 and zero, you should be in there. Right. It should be record versus record, not record versus any kind of discussion about it. Now, maybe at the, the NCAA tournament, because there's so many teams, but when it comes down to the final four of college football, if your record, if TCU's record is better than Ohio State, but you had to come from behind to win a bunch of games, you should go instead of Ohio State. Correct. And 
I just don't think I just don't think it's as clear cut as he put it. There there is there is debate in all, but I just I just don't think it's like crystal clear. I mean, you can look at a lot of things with these rankings, um, but I we don't have time to get in get into all of them. But more importantly, Oregon State is at twenty three, yeah, ranked here for the second time this season. And I'll say that's a surprise to me. I thought that once you know, given that they're Oregon State, there's the whole, whole no respect factor and all that. And I don't I do not play with respect i i don't like that you either have it or you don't I, I you shouldn't if you're bad for five years and all of a sudden you you've won three in a row you shouldn't be thrown around why don't we get respect well because you've been bad for five years really bad i'm not saying this was the beaver scenario just kind of a scenario i make up but um so i really don't like the term even though i'm using it right now but when you're washington state or oregon state you're an outlier you you don't have runs great runs of greatness and blue blood and all that I'm surprised that after the Beavers got into the top 25 of CFP at number 23 and then lost uh-huh. and lost in an ugly way, death by a thousand paper cuts, and then won again over Cal, they got back in. Mm-hmm. I would have thought they that would was, not have gotten back in. I agree. That was surprising. I, I guess I can make one example here. I know UNC has won a lot of one-score games this year. They're 9-1 and one and sitting at 13 Alabama has also won a number of one-score games this year, and they have lost twice. Alabama's ranked number eight, and North Carolina is ranked at number 13 with one less loss. Shouldn't be that way. I just don't. I, I think brand bias is a thing it's throughout huge. the year. And that's why the whole AP poll at the beginning of the year, like Dave says, it's a fashion show. The AP poll should be banished until week five. It's a five. beauty pageant. Yeah, absolutely. I've been screaming for that for years. The AP poll is all about that popularity contest. The coaches poll is about uh, what coach gives it to their SID to make the choice that week. It's almost useless. And then the CFP poll, to me, is the best. We got to go. We'll be back second hour. Hopefully we get Danny Evans on the program. Everywhere things are changing. Things will change. Something's changing, 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 But even as Beaver football enters a new era, from an old tempo these change, yeah. to a new tempo. Here we come a lot of number 29 in. What are they going to get? 25 to get 30 now. In the world of the Joe Beaver show, it's still John Warren. Well, I heard he speaks eight languages. And on top of everything else, holds a degree in medicine as well as law. He's very attractive. And Mike Parker, director of Woody Repartee. Hello. Hello. So the more things change, the more they remain the same. Hi, diddle, diddle, I cut in the fiddle. This time I think we go through the middle. Hi. Well, I'll see you later, and uh, we'll have another little conversation. It's the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. You ever heard that song, TJ? Uh, A lot of times on this show. But never before that, right? Uh, maybe. I've heard a lot of things in my life. 
<laughs> Good uh, afternoon now. We can say that. It is uh, Friday afternoon. I'm John Warren, T.J. Matthewson in uh, Mike's seat today as we uh, get going here for the Joe Beaver Show. Last hour of the program today, T.J. and I and Dougie will be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for the Tailgate Show leading up to the Beavers and Arizona State, which we vowed to talk about today, but we haven't talked about it yet in the detail that we want to, including some audio, which we'll get to. But I want to kind of uh, put a bow on things from the first first hour. Um, Kip had a couple of good texts when it came to choices for greatest plays in uh, <clears throat> Civil War history, and the Al East blocked extra point that put the Beavers in the Rose Bowl their last one in 1965 is really hard to argue with. CVB writes in, rankings are, by definition, judgments made in sports that have too few contests to have results dictate national rank. CFPs is an invitation, not a playoff, unless being conference champ is a requirement. But the powers that be want the beauty contest because that's what ESPN wants. No argument here. Should bring back the computer rankings. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, bring back computer rankings and just have the computer determine who the top four teams are. That seems like the least biased way to do it. I mean, how many thousands of, of different points did they look at? I, I forget those old computers they used to use for the BCS, but it was a lot, a lot more than the, how many people were in the college football playoff committee? Not many. 20? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Not enough. 20 data points versus 1,000. Yeah. On another topic we talked about in the first hour, what were we talking about that required? Oh, Dave had suggested that for the big game this weekend, they, uh, they paint a tuba in the end zone in homage to the tuba player who was run over, not ran over, who was run over. Yeah, that's correct. But you hear who was ran over. One past tense word in there. Yes. Verb. Was verb? and ran. Was Adjective? and ran. You hear, no, verb. We, we were doing a grammar breakdown at the top of the first hour. Who was run over, not ran over. And you'll hear more often than not, ran over. And it'll happen from, from high-level broadcasters, generally the athletes. And they'll say, who was ran over. The player <clears throat> ran the tuba player over. That is correct. But he was run over. Correct. I digress. Great idea. Great idea to paint the tuba in there. They should. And there should be more love for Joe Starkey. And uh, now that's a great idea. So then he suggested painting Ken Simonton in the end zone with some kind of a marker for the 98 Civil War. You, I don't know what you know about that. It was a double overtime, tri triple overtime. How many overtimes was that? So many that after one, they had to clear the field. The fans had stormed the field. And there was... Uh, there was a penalty against Oregon that gave Oregon State another chance, and then Simonton around the corner and into the end zone, and then that was it, and they won the 98, the 98 game. It was, it was incredible. I was nine months old. They also knew that they were going to re resurface the field the next year with field turf, and so fans started ripping up portions of the turf for, for memory and commemorations and all of that. And the rest is history. Dennis Erickson came in the next year, and they had a brand-new field turf. And the modern era of Oregon State football began in 1999, which that year when they beat Cal, early enough in the year, but they beat Cal 
I don't know, those second to last game of the regular season to secure a winning season. Grown men crying in the stands because there was 29 years of not a, not a winning season, 29 straight years. And it meant a lot to a lot of people and a lot of fans, a lot of fans, even Dougie and his, his buddies sticking with the Beavers through all those years and all those losses. In fact, they would go every year to at least one road game and just go and watch. Maybe not with complete delusion they're going to win a game, but go because they're fans and they want to see the team. Knowing, And every once in a while, there would be a surprise, like 1985 in Seattle against the Huskies. It's a lot of dedication. Huge dedication. So that night in 1999 where the Beavers beat Cal to get that that sixth win was historical in 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 the in the lores of of the history of Beaver football. So anyway, what was the greatest play? Kip has some that go way way back in time. Here's one: Joe Day's 29 yard run with five minutes left gives OSC a 12 to seven win and its first Rose Bowl berth. Okay, but we don't talk about it right now. No, we don't. We have a play. And it's Simonton's play that will be on the big board to jack everybody up before games. Just like down the, re- the road, they've got the 94 Kenny Wheaton interception against the Huskies. They play that every single game for 30 years. Same thing here. I believe we do we play Simonton's touchdown? I think so. So I would vote for Simonton's touchdown as the greatest rivalry game touchdown in the history of the series. But uh, anyway, oh, I want to remind everybody too, for morning listeners, I love you and I'm glad to have you. But if I'm talking about something and you want to respond or I do a contest, remember to switch over to the other text line because I came in this morning and this happens every day. It's just a reminder. And there are a bunch of KEJO University Honda text line responses to a morning show thing, but that's a different text line. And I give it out and talk about it. It's the Kellenberger Appliances text line, and the number is 9268628. And I get it. You're on your phone, you text, you just assume it's going to work, or you think you're on the right one and you're not. That's fine. Just letting you know, in case I don't answer you, I didn't see it until, until this morning. And I don't toggle back and forth during the morning show, and I don't have an app that shows both of them because they, they don't have one. And we were forced to lose the old system that did have an app and scrambled to find a new one. And this was the only one available. And we got it. And it works actually pretty well, except for they don't have an app. No. So I, Mike and I cannot, and, and TJ, we can't respond to texts when we're not on the air because we're usually out and about doing things, doing other things. So anyway, just a little bit on that, just to kind of clean that up. And uh, what else is going on? I'm losing my voice. I, I, this is. I know it's. Good. You're going to need some tea when you get home. And no, you're not allowed to talk. No, no. After this show, I'm not going to talk. Absolutely not. In fact, I'll talk really low and not strain so much. Okay, but computer l- rankings are program four and need to be approved by the powers that be. Uh, this is uh, CVB. Yes. Overtime one OSU penalty. Oh, this is the overtimes. Okay. Overtime one, OSU penalty, fans started storming. It allowed, allowed Oregon to tie the game. Overtime two, U of O field goal, then Simonton at the other end zone. 
So an OSU penalty allowed Oregon to tie. So the Beavers were in a position to win in the first overtime. And then they won it in the second overtime after the Ducks got a field goal and at the other end, Simonton scores. Mm-hmm. It's a cool play. You should YouTube it. It's uh, the sequence, the whole sequence of the overtimes was pretty cool. And Daryl Lonnie was on the call. He was fantastic. Still with us. He's somewhere retired. Daryl was great. And uh, his, his call of, of Simonton's touchdown was legendary. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it, it, for me, it was yesterday. But like you say, it was not, you were nine months old. Yeah. <laughs> which is a scary thought. Yeah, yeah, thank, thanks, CVB, for that rundown. That's great. Thanks for, you know, I haven't thought about it in so long, so I don't remember the sequence of events. Curtis texts in, how about more recently, Tristan's play a few years ago when he got injured and then Chance scoring right after me. That was yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. The, the COVID year for me, highs and lows, I mean, yes, that's a great win, but there's an asterisk to it. Yeah, and also that Ducks team wasn't very good, I didn't think. Yeah, it just it didn't seem, I don't know, I, I'm in my mind trying to forget COVID year. Mm-hmm. You know, you got these these bored people in the in the stands, mm-hmm. cutouts, I guess, and and you've got uh, a loop. Mm-hmm. There was a loop playing on the the public address system mm-hmm. of, of of fan noise, fan noise, and I noticed because I'm weird, I can hear these things, and there was this weird, almost deaf scream from a pseudo fan on this loop because you know any kind of generic there are companies that make generic s- sounds we, we we pay for their services in radio so we can make commercials and whatever company made this sound of of fan noise there's a guy on there at some point and he just goes oh almost like you know someone stabbing him or something and then it kept going well sitting there Amongst all the media in the press box, because we were the only ones allowed in, I was sitting there listening to that, and there it was. I could hear it. And then about a minute later. You started timing it, seeing like, how long is it between screams? I I started to, and I thought, I can't can't do this. But it was about a minute and a half, and then it's back. And it would go around. So COVID year, I, I don't really think much about it. I think people will remember this year if the Beavs can win a week from tomorrow. Much more fondly than than Chance scrambling for that last second touchdown in, yeah. in twenty. Yeah, I think so. I'm very much looking forward to next Saturday. Also, and the thing that's most important, I think, for the Beavers winning tomorrow is that if the Beavers win tomorrow and the Ducks beat Utah, yeah, it'll be a twelve thirty game. You know Which, that for sure. Have we done the math on that? Uh, I think twelve thirty yeah, and seven thirty are the two if, options. If Oregon has something to play for, right? They'll want them playing at twelve thirty. Now, the thing that raises an eyebrow for me—it's obviously not a Ducks program, but the line has shifted so much. Vegas the line has shifted in, in the line? Oregon game. I think it opened Oregon minus two, really? and then it shifted all the way to Utah minus two, which makes me think Vegas doesn't think Bo Nix is going to play. And we don't know, do we? We don't. Now, Dan Lanning keeps those those cards right up to his chest. I mean, wow. right, they didn't even announce Bo Nix as the starter this season until he went out in the first series against Georgia. So, the, you know, we don't know. And if Oregon State gets upset down in Tempe this Saturday and Oregon loses at home to Utah, 
that might be a 7:30 game which i would just really rather not <laughs> so you're saying root for oregon against utah yeah don't you get wouldn't you want the game to mean more i do i do i have no problem doing that but most beaver fans don't and beaver fans in the collins show there was a lot of disappointment about not being the one to knock the ducks out of the playoff wouldn't you rather want that you want Oregon to be 10 and one coming here. And then you are the ones who get to tell them they got to go home and they don't, they might get to go to the Rose bowl, but they're not going to play in a bowl game that will lead them to a national championship Yeah, because you beat them. Yeah. But if an eight and three ducks team comes in here to face an eight and three beaver team or a seven and four beaver team, then that just loses a lot of luster in it. And it wouldn't mean as much. And that wouldn't be a moment that, you know, 15 years from now, whoever hosts the show, if the show still exists in 15 years, would say, text in your favorite moment about the rivalry, the, the civil war between Oregon and Oregon State. Tell me what your favorite moment is. It's like, well, in the 2022 season, an 8-3 and three team and a 7-4 and four team faced off in a matchup of good, not great teams, <laughs> and it's not quite as memorable. Hey, I, I was at the toilet bowl in 1983. I wasn't. 0-0 zero, zero tie. That sounds fun. I've seen it all in, in the uh, the games between the two schools. Let's put it that way. Adam in Albany is funny. It is funny. <laughs> and he texted in, come on, read my text. It's funny. It actually is funny. So, and I was getting to it, but we got sidetracked. Paint the tuba. Paint Simonton in the end zone. Paint the tuba in the end zone for the big game. And then uh, Adam says, paint Joey Harrington's number. Then paint Jake Cookus's number over it three times. <laughs> Joey five pick, Jake Cookus three picks. Oh uh, yeah, that, okay, that makes sense. That was a rough one because, uh, and that was a great one. But it was rough in that in that particular year, the Beavers needed Washington State to beat Washington because there was going to be a three way tie, and whatever the breaker was, Huskies got to go to the Rose Bowl. And it was snowing. I remember at the end of the Beaver game, it was already uh, up on the TV screen, and it was pouring down snow. I think it, it was in Pullman, but the Huskies were winning and winning big, and it didn't look good, and it wasn't, and they got to go to the Rose Bowl. Beaver still got the fiesta. They did. They did, and it was all good. It was all good. So, Adam, there's your text. That's pretty good. Curtis says he's going to his first uh, Civil War game, his first uh, rivalry game. Good for you. Good for you. Hope you have a great time. Uh, James Rogers overtime fly sweep for the win in 07. Felt so good to get that the year I graduated. Kyle in Southwest Florida. Hey, Kyle, thanks for tuning in. That was the that's a great one. Last year before Chip. Yeah, right. That's yeah. right. That's right. That is a great one. That's a great one. We don't talk about it as much though, as a as a community. But I can't. I really can't argue with that one. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, it's 1222. We're going to call Danny Evans at 1230. So let's break real quick and then we'll come back, get a shorter segment in and then uh, and then Danny Evans. Uh, Glennie texts in and I, I saw this. Thank you for, for reminding it. I, I think there was a wide receiver this week during media availability that didn't specifically say it, but Canzano kind of followed up on it yesterday uh, on his on his show. 
about Bo Nix not playing. There was someone who said something about, I think it was like next guy up, you know, whatever the odds are or something like that along those lines, but referencing that our starting quarterback is not going to play. So, and Vegas buys that too. And Vegas is usually right. Vegas is very close to being right every time. Take a break, come back and continue here on the Joe Beaver show today uh, on 1240 Joe radio. All right, uh, continuing here on the Joe Beaver Show. I'm really losing my voice. You're going to need some tea. That's not good for tomorrow. Tea lozenges? <clears throat> I, was, I was going to go over and get some interviews today after practice, but I'm going to do it tomorrow after shoot-around after the tailgate show. So that means that at 1 o'clock today, if I want to, I cannot talk until tomorrow. Susie says that I should get, uh, hold on, throat coat? Oh, sure. She, oh, yeah. Throat coat, a tea by traditional medicines. You can find it in any grocery store. It really helps. Okay, I might, I might have to do that to make sure I've got something for basketball tomorrow. Yeah, you're going to need it. This is 100% from getting sick, not from screaming and yelling or anything like that. And it always pops up at the worst Oh, the time. Time, it could not be worse. I mean, it was just yesterday I started feeling, well, no, the day before. Lousy. I'm glad I took yesterday off. But uh, just in talking here for this show and a little bit for the morning show, it's starting to get weaker. Anyway, Danny Evans will join us here. Mm -hmm. We'll call him here in just a couple of minutes. And looking forward to that conversation. We'll have to ask him. I know he's in the Oregon State Hall of Fame as the member of the 1981 men's basketball team. That is That team was number one virtually the entire season. However, uh, his bio, we'll have to ask him. His bio says he is in there as an individual. I did not see it. We'll have to ask him. What was that you're just squirting in your mouth there? <laughs> Doug just brought me throat coat. That look, No, no, chloroseptic. That looks like... You were just, like, putting soap in your mouth for a second. Oh, yeah, it's because of the dispenser. Relieves sore throat pain. Oh, there you go. How does your throat feel now? Well, it does relieve the pain. It doesn't necessarily make your, your hoarse voice go away. Mm-hmm. But it That's does, a, a time-consuming process. It's just a numbing agent. Yeah. Thanks, Dougie. Yeah, that was good because I did have some pain. There you go. Now I don't. Now you're pain-free. I'm pain-free, but it's still hoarse. That's all right. Well, I'll get it back. That's good. Tomorrow. That's interesting. I've never seen a... We'll run a lot of interviews on tomorrow's show. You and Dougie yeah. can do most of the talking. Yeah, it's okay. <clears throat> or, or reminisce about the best places to eat in Tempe and Scottsdale. It's fine. Anyone uh, going down there to Falco's Deli, I recommend. Fantastic food. Blocking the field goal at the end of the 2006 game, Cerna was clutch. Dev writes in on that one. I don't remember that. I should, but I don't. I don't remember that. CBB, does Costco have drums of throat lozenges? They probably do. (laughs) So you should, you should, backpack over one shoulder, the tub of throat lozenges. Yeah. Just boom. Because you don't have a color commentator. No. So you're going to, you'll walk in there, down to courtside, and you'll put it right next to yourself. And then maybe you should get like a big bag too, because you're obviously going to have a lot of wrappers. Yeah. So you're going to say, <clears throat> sorry. I can't, I can't have candy in my mouth while I'm trying to talk. You can. Couldn't you just tuck it away in your nah, cheek? I've done it before. I don't know how to do that. I mean, it, 
when I called soccer about a month ago, That's why you're better than my that. voice was not doing great. I had I had a throat lozenge in my back. It, the the biggest issue is not even in the having the lozenge in your mouth. Yeah, it's the amount of saliva you have in your mouth. You know, because dissolve you're it. you, it's trying to dissolve it, but while you're trying to talk through it, it's it's really not great. That's true. These are uh, first world announcer problems. Dave, we only have a minute because we need to break and then call Danny Evans, who's expecting our call. But uh, fire away. Good enough. I didn't want to talk civil war until next week anyway. So we'll just focus on tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. It's a trap game. Same way Stanford was. We got lucky on that one. I think yeah. this is a different story. I think with their poor rushing and our ability to, to run the ball, I think it should be a game we should just grind out and just win easily. But it could be one of those ones that just looks ugly in the end anyway, even if we win. So uh, I, I think we got it. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna handle it. But in fact, I'll say I'll, I'll be real disappointed if we don't. I agree. I agree. I'll leave it at. Major trap game. Play your if they play their best, and they do even what they did. If they play their best or close to it, they should win going away. If they don't, if they play a C yeah. level game, they could still be in a position to win. Just don't lose by a thousand paper cuts like you did in Seattle. Yeah, I feel better about it after the way we handled Cal. Yeah. I thought we really. You know, came together as a team and put put it away like we should have, and I think we can do the same thing with this game. All right, good so, call. Thanks, Dave. Whoops, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Good call. We got to talk. Uh, call Danny Evans. He's on the bus right now. We'll get him up next here on the Joe Beaver Show. Back here on the Joe Beaver Show, TJ Matthewson and John Warren trying to connect right now with Danny Evans, who is presumably on a bus on his way down here from PDX. So while we try and connect with Danny Evans here in the second half of this second hour, bottom of the hour, yeah, uh, just want to remind you that KEJO has teamed up with CarCraft Auto Appearance Center to give some lucky person a pair of tickets to the upcoming rivalry game. Just text CarCraft, all one word, to 541-497-5356 to enter the DRA, uh, the, excuse me, the drawing... <laughs> Yeah. Next out. week, spell it out for us. Next week, grammar. We'll draw one winner. When you text, you'll receive a bounce back coupon for a super wash for only five dollars at Carcraft. Just show them show them your coupon on your phone. And just in time for Christmas, Carcraft is running specials, including an interior detail and hand wax plus four super car washes for just $145. Or get eight washes for only $50. CarCraft at the corner of 9th and Hill in Albany. Check out all their specials online at CarCraftAlbany.com. And a reminder, how to spell drawing is D-R-A-W-I-N-G. In case it did not finish spelling that out the last time, now you know, John. Yes. <clears throat> I can't I, believe the, the spacing on here. I don't know what I was looking at. Yeah. But it looked like, for some reason, two different words. Draw wing? What what is a draw wing? Oh, drawing. Okay. It's a typo. It's typer. that time of the week. It's and I have typer. no excuse because you've been awake infinitely longer than I have. And you know, maybe as the NyQuil is is wearing off for you, <laughs> yeah, as yeah. your your eyes are, are blinking open and closed, might be a little harder to read. Nah, but me, I that. really have it's no good. excuse. That's just a failure on my part. That's all right. It's very, it's very good. Uh, in calling Danny Evans' phone number, it's it's weird. 
I've t- we've texted back and forth, so it works. But when I call the number, it goes directly to a like a busy signal. It clicks almost as if someone's answering and then hanging up, but it's faster than that, so it's that's not what it is. And then it goes to d d d d the old busy signal, and uh, it can't be that. It can't be that he's he's on the line. It would go to a voicemail or it would do something else. That old busy I mean, signal is is from the old old landline phones. Hmm, that's interesting. And it happens every time. I've called it five times, and uh, it goes just straight to this d d d the hmm. old the old busy signal. For those of uh, you who are old enough to remember telephone busy signals and so i just texted him and say if you could call us that would be great so we are awaiting danny evans call to us should he receive that text which i'm surprised we haven't heard from him yet texting is a uh, an instantaneous thing mm-hmm. so we uh we await his uh his response on that in fact that might That can't be him because I didn't try on that that line. Well, let's see who's calling us right now. A reminder, we will be on the air at 7 a.m. tomorrow for the tailgate show. I will have coffee. I'll I'll hopefully have two cups of coffee in me by the time we get on the air tomorrow. So 7 to 9 o'clock, the tailgate show tomorrow. Network starts at 9 o'clock. The Sherwin-Williams-Beaver postgame call-in show, if I were to guess would be on the air right around 3 4 o'clock hopefully before the women's game ends so we're gonna have the tailgate show here leave i'm gonna go home probably take a nap and then come back here and help out with the women's game because we will have the women's basketball game and the football game on at the same time so we're gonna make sure that we have all of that covered and then just stay here for the call-in show after that I remember my favorite two call-in shows last year, John, in caller volume and humor and such. It was the same final two games last year, ASU and then Oregon. And those were my favorite two shows of the year. So I'm very much looking forward to these next two and some of the some of the reactions we'll get. I will say, though, after the Duck game last year, I'm not. We had a caller call in the first guy. And this is something I learn as I go along. I try and give people as much of a leash as possible. But as you've said, you really don't have to. You, you make the decisions. And I listen to, you know, I learn a lot from Jim Rome, who I get to listen to now every single day when I come into here to the studio. And during the beef segment yesterday, he'll run a guy in, in two <coughs> seconds if he doesn't like the first two words out of his mouth. Yeah, we, we generally don't run people here. However, there's one guy who called in last year. First caller on the show, post-Oregon. You know how many consecutive minutes I let him talk for, which was a huge mistake. How many do you think I let him? Minutes? Yeah. Two? Five. Ooh. Right. I went back, and I timed it, and I'm staring at my phone. I'm like, wow. I really let him. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, uh, <laughs> waiting to break in. Uh, you were a I, rookie. Yeah, I was. Because I, I wouldn't let the, if someone went over like a minute now, I'd be like, uh, yeah, uh, stop. Yeah. We're yeah. good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We get it. Yeah. I think he repeated himself about three times. I appreciate the passion. Yeah. But five minutes of saying anything is a lot. Well, I mean, it's it's the aesthetics of, of running a show. You got to edit on the fly. 
And if people are going on too much, you kind of have right. to step in and say, Leh. Rome does a good job of that uh, with interview interviewees or even callers that he likes. Uh-huh. He'll go, let me, let me break in on that. Yeah. And just, and then comp be complimentary. If he, if it's a caller, he doesn't like, he runs them. Mm-hmm. But if it's a caller he likes, he'll go, yeah, I like it. I love what you're getting at. Let me, let me break it. So, and then, and then takes it from there and then gets rid of it. And they'll get priority those callers. So yeah, for those who like listen close enough, James in Portland calls in quite often. And whenever Rome sees his name pop up on, on the sheet, it's like, Oh, oh, hold on here a second. <laughs> James in Portland is on the line. James, <laughs> my man, what's going on? Yeah. Jimmy. And then they have a love fest. Stuff like, yeah, stuff like that. But So that we can wait for Danny Evans mm-hmm. and I don't have to talk. Right. That's a good idea. We need to save your voice. How was Rajon right? Uh, Rajon was good. I've in a got good him mood. queued up. Here's Rajon Let's do right. It. So Rajon what is it, right. What is it going to take, John? For them to get back to playing at a level they played against USC last year, like what is it going to? We we again we keep saying focus. They always say focus, execution, etc. But continually, it, it hasn't really happened this year. Yeah, I thought they played great against USC at the beginning of the year. On the road. Oh, on the road. That's a good question. They played. The defense was very good at Washington, except for one drive. The most important drive of the game. The defense was very good. Holding Washington to... uh, Very good? Well... Good. Good enough. It was good. Good enough. Uh, It was the fourth and 11, third and tens in the last drive that hurt them. Right. Outside of that... You got to remember, you're playing against a, a, a Husky offense that's number two passing in the nation. Right. And their quarterback, you know, all of these offensive accolades and Oregon State shut them down, right. except for the last right. drive. And that's why I only say good enough. Well, it was above good because it was better than most teams do. Correct. Statistically, it was better than most teams have played the Washington Huskies. And honestly, Penix Jr. He had some ugly throws, a lot of them, mm-hmm. that forced some third downs that in the game early in the game when the Beavers were were stopping them and getting the ball back. I was like, wow. All, most of these games, especially the road games, as I'm watching, if you looked at the game and how the Beavers were playing versus the hype of the other team the week leading up to the game, you'd think that Oregon State didn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. And yet, they played very well in many, but not all aspects. At home, they play really well in all aspects and have won. They played really well in all aspects against USC. That's a great team, a great offense, and they showed it on the last drive. But the Beavers did a tremendous job, right? better than anyone else to that point. I don't know about the rest of the year. They did. Their defense shut USC down until the last drive. Okay, Utah. Utah's world beaters. They're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oregon State goes in there, outgains them, controls the line of scrimmage, forces punts, but hands them 21 points. Correct. The 21 points, I know they won by more than 21, but when you give 21, you're giving them also momentum to score another touchdown. So they they have been better in all these road games than anybody thought they would be except for us hardcores. Correct. And as I'm looking at them, like 
I am sorry. I have to say that if you compare everybody and the job they did against everybody else, Oregon State is one of the best teams in the league. I know it doesn't show on the scoreboard, and it doesn't show for the duration of games, and it certainly doesn't show a quarterback. If this team had a quality quarterback, Oregon State, uh, I'm They could be you, undefeated right bets now. Are all, absolutely. And I don't want to s- slam on Ben Branson because he's a redshirt freshman thrown into the mix. Uh, Chance Nolan is a very good quarterback. At the time, he was going through the yips. Let's say he doesn't get his neck completely bent sideways because that's why he's out. I don't know about concussion protocol. I think it's more about mobility with his shoulder because of badly injured neck muscle or shoulder muscle. They're not saying that, but that's what we can derive from looking at the film. His neck was completely just torn under. Concussion may have been the first part. Now it's getting that mobility and that ability to hold his arm up type of a situation. Take that away. I think that he could have gotten through the yips because mm-hmm. he had them. Just work with him in practice, move forward, safer throws until he gets it back. Okay, you work through that. You've got yourself a quarterback good enough to get you. To beat Washington. A, 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 to beat Washington, absolutely. Maybe not finish the job and beat Utah. Well, it wouldn't have mattered because he had the yips in that game, and that was a major problem. Right. I think you play Utah five times, the Beavers win three of them. Really? If they're at home. Oh, yes. Okay. I I was going to say not so sure about playing in Salt Lake City. They win three out of five at home. They They could stack them up against most of the top 15 teams, not top 15, uh, 15 to 25 teams, and they'd probably beat most of them here at home. Another thing that's frustrating about the Beavers is they have Brian Lindgren is a great game planner. But you don't game plan for an entire game. You game plan for the first half of the first quarter, first couple of drives. Then you have to react and make adjustments. And unfortunately, on the road, there have been a few mistakes in that regard on some play calls. But that drive, that first drive to answer the given touchdown Mm -hmm. to Phillips, he gets it, then they go one, two plays, score, touchdown, and then Chance comes back and they do the – that drive was perfection. But then he throws the, the, the pick, and then they go back to the air too soon. Mm-hmm. They went to the air too soon that caused the second pick. Why not keep it on the ground on what you did to tie the game at seven instead of go right to the air out of shotgun, and then he throws that second pick, which was the six. Now you've, you're in his head. They own you. So, I don't know. you got something there. Well, a question that Dave texts in. Uh, after hearing that we could have had JT Daniels for a hundred thousand, actually it was a 400,000. Would it have been worth it? Uh, if we're a one or no loss team right now, do we win USC, Utah, Washington? Nah, I don't know how I much different say, it is because JT Daniels was benched last week. That, and Ch- I, I don't know. No one has a higher pass rating than he does this year, by the way, yeah. with all those interceptions. Yeah, and also I don't know. Now this is intangible. It has nothing to do with on the field, but I think it's an intangible that I personally would go with. I don't know that it would ever be a good choice to sign someone to your team who demands something way far and above anything that anybody's ever gotten mm-hmm. and says, we'll come here if you give us this. I don't know that you're, you're, you're hurting your, your family atmosphere. You're hurting everything you are mm-hmm. if you sign a guy like that. So it might have been done worse damage to, to bring him in just from that standpoint. 
especially as a guy who wasn't recruited here initially, not because they weren't going to have a chance at him. He's the, I think the number one player in the country coming out of, out of modern day high school in yeah. California. That's why he went to USC. But I think when we had this conversation earlier, if a blue chip quarterback recruit had interest in Oregon state because they have a quarterback as their offensive coordinator and a quarterback as their head coach, an 18 year old high school kid who you say, okay, we, but we want you here as part of the family atmosphere. Is that worth it? Is that specifically worth it to bring it in? Would it, would it be different if the guy is coming in fresh and wants to grow with the program? Would that be worth it? I'm not sure. I still think that would, as John put it, um, put the, uh, the family atmosphere would change it up a little bit as we, I think we have Danny Evans on the line, but we're, uh, we're adjusting. We might have to give this a try. I think we'll we'll have it here. But it'd just be something interesting to think about with these massive NIL deals for 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 kids going to, to Miami and, and Florida. I saw yeah. the guy that was committed to Miami flipped to Florida. Maybe he got a better NIL deal. Who All knows? right. Let's check. Danny, Coach Evans, are you, can you hear me on the line? I can hear you. Okay, we finally well, connected. I, I don't. Thanks for joining us, Coach. I don't know what happened in the, my my try calling you and the connection, but we've got you now for a couple of minutes. How was the flight from Houston? And are you are you getting are you on the bus or have you made it to Corvallis? Uh, we can't hear you, Coach. You might be indoors. Yeah, nothing's coming through. Nothing's coming through. Okay. Well, we will try again. Let's take a break because we've got one more. It's a short one. Be right back after this on 1240 Joe Radio. All right, let's give this another try. Coach Danny Evans, how we uh, how we doing? You there, Coach? Oops, sorry. My bad. Well, that now? Yeah, there we go. Uh, are you in town or are you, are you yeah, on the bus or what? No, we actually just got off the plane, so we're on the bus right now. Oh, boy. Okay. Hey, th- uh, great to hear from you. Danny Evans, Hall of Famer, Oregon State Hall of Famer, joining us here on the program. Is the, is the bus man making a bunch of announcements? <laughs> Sounds like he's a, a tour like he's a tour guide. He's giving you. There you go. Uh, coming home. You're coming home. You spent some time here, obviously, in the 80s. How's it feel? How's it feel, Coach? Oh, it feels great. You know, when you're flying into Portland and, you know, you're seeing the mountains and all that stuff, you know, I think the young ladies have been excited. Uh, they just, you know, they're just saying, wow, you know, it's, it's, I told them, this is home for me. <laughs> nice. You came here again way back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, ended up playing for Ralph Miller and a part of a couple of Pac-12 championship teams, including a team in 81 that that was number one for the entire year. Do you still think about those exactly. years? And do you bring those years up when you're coaching uh, all the, you know, in, in women's basketball as you have been for the last 25 years? Right. You know, you, you, you kind of talk to them about it, but they don't know, you know, that we were really actually number one. They don't, you know, they've never heard of that. It's been so long ago, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, they, they, they kind of heard about it. I talk about it a little bit, but they don't really understand it. We were number one in the nation. And, uh, you know, that, uh, 
I guess maybe when they see uh, Gil Coliseum, a couple of the guys are going to come down for the game. Uh, Mark Rafford, Ray Bloom, William Brew, some of the friends are coming down, so the guys are going to come come to the game to support us. Uh, Coach Anderson is going to come over tonight. I'm going to talk to him. So, you know, it's just great seeing all the people that I, you know, kind of grew up. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that was just, it's just, you know, it's just great that we still, we, we were all friends then and we even better friends now, you know, like oh. Charlie sitting, you know, we normally stay at his hotel and then he came up here in Tigers. Um, it's just great to be back. That's all. I love to hear that. I love to hear that, that all those great names and they'll all be here tomorrow for the game. <laughs> that is really cool. Yes, that is sir. that is really cool. Oh, yeah. Hey, we have just a little bit of time here because of the phone snafu and whatnot. We only have a couple of minutes. Tell me a little bit about your time okay. with Ralph Miller because on this show for the past 24 years, we've talked all about Ralph and some of his ways. <laughs> One of the jokes that You're I like right. is that Ralph at practice would not really coach. Jimmy would take over and Ralph would be sitting underneath the no smoking <laughs> sign with two cigarettes lit in his hands. Well, you know, uh, Coach Miller was a chain smoker, so he was always sitting up in the stands, uh, you know, uh, smoking a more cigarette, more after more after more, <laughs> and he would just sit there and do that. But yet, you know, he would always, you know, he see something that you know was that he needed to stop practice, and when he would stop it, everybody just get quiet, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, the, the man himself that stopped everything, like parted the seas and stuff. Everybody stopped. They just sit there and, like, wait on him to correct, like, one little thing, and then we'd go back to playing after that. <laughs> but it was, it was amazing how he, you know, he had everybody's attention. And he really let Coach Van Eamon as well. You know, they really, uh, you know, they did a lot of the little things and talking and keeping us, you know, keeping us involved and everything. But, he was the he was the guy. If he said something, then that that was that was changed immediately. If he didn't like something, or he didn't like the way you didn't jump stop, or you know, thumbs yeah. down on your passes, or any little thing that he seen, all of a sudden he called, call it, call it. You know, he'd come <laughs> down from up there, and put his cigarette out, and tell us what's going. <laughs> then we go back to playing. You know, but he was he was he was awesome. He was a great coach, and uh, you know, man, I I was so blessed and honored to be here. Did he, Danny? Did he impress upon you enough to take those uh, tenants into your coaching as you became a coach in college basketball? Oh, oh yeah! I'm such a stickler on little things like jump stops and pivoting, you know, thumbs down on your passes. Uh, He was into the rainbow. You know, I'm saying old school things, and the kids are like, "What?" <laughs> you know, you, you always got to get down on defense because your, hand, your hands better be up. You know, or he, you know, he make us run or do something crazy. So, uh, I was talking with um, Ray and Mark today, uh, Rashford, and they just they would. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, you know, visualize this, but we would start from Oregon State from Gill Coliseum, and we'd run out to the to the to the to the uh, fairgrounds. Oh uh, yeah. And that's about on like seventy something, and it's it's kind of like it's made like almost like a pizza because you come back and then come down Western yeah. Road back to Corral to to the to Gil Coliseum, and we would start out, and uh, we start out in a group with Mark Radford, and then Ray Bloom would start about five minutes after that, <laughs> and if he didn't make it before Ray Bloom caught you, you'd have to do it again. Oh. And man, you talking about some guys running? <laughs> that's a good one. We've but, not we've not heard that one before. Uh, um, 
Yeah. Well, man, that 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 is a run, and there's a run, and there's a run, and then you know I was a freshman, Brew and I and all us, and I was sitting there like, man, they catch you, you gotta run this again. And I mean, I'm just dead tired. And then you see like Steve Johnson and all those guys, they're like behind, and here comes Ray Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and, man! You talking about some guys getting it going? Well, we started running, but it, it was all great. Man. We had such a such a great time. He built, you know, such a great program, and you know, you I try to bring that into coaching and everything. But I mean, he was just so just awesome, so awesome with all of his uh, teachings, and you know, and it was a it was a lot of little things that he was just so awesome that you know. I picked up along the way and definitely tried to use it with my coach. Danny Evans joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. <clears throat> so your team that you're bringing in here, I know you're associate head coach, and your head coach has been there for a while. Uh, tell us about your team coming in and uh, what you can expect tomorrow against the Beavers and Scott Ruick's program. Well, um, well, you know, we have a we have a nice, new, exciting team. We have, uh, we have some transfer. You know, the transfer portal has changed everything. Um, you know, I look back at it, I think Coach Miller probably would have lost kids every year yeah. <laughs> in this transfer portal thing. But uh, we were able to get, we were able to secure a young lady from uh, Penn State, a point guard, uh, Nyan Thornton. And then we have uh, our, uh, a young lady who was uh, all conference last year, uh, Diana Rosenthal, is one of our leading scorers. And then we have uh, we have a Destiny Jenkins. She transferred from Incarnate Ward, which is in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, she went to the NCAA tournament last year. She took her team there. And uh, also we have a young lady, uh, Desiree. Um, she's from uh, San Antonio as well. She was at University of Tulsa, and she transferred in for us. So those are three new, you know, great starters. And then we had Rosenthal, who is our uh, our fifth scorer. And so all of them, you know, I think, you know, we have a good nucleus. We shoot the three ball. We're we're quick and trying to, you know, push the ball, and we're going to press a lot. Uh, the old, you know, Ralph Miller <laughs> trying to <laughs> try to get there. But we won't, you know, we won't have the actual, you know, level of Oregon State. I think they'll be too big for us, and we're, we're kind of small for that. But, yeah, you know, in our conference, we kind of match up a lot better, you know, a lot, a lot better against them. So and this we, is we, we've improved our team, and you know we're. I think we're exciting to watch, and if you come and watch us, you're going to see us. You know, put the ball in the basket. Hopefully tomorrow. Well, and you got those you know, the, those uh, former Beaver greats coming down as well. I wish we had more time. Uh, uh, yeah. we're out of time. Coach Evans, thanks for taking time for us, and we'll okay. see you tomorrow at Gill. All right, I appreciate it, and hopefully see you guys there. All right, thanks, Danny. Danny Evans joining us. We went over here on the Joe Beaver Show. We don't usually do that. Mm-hmm. In fact, we never do that. But I had to, we had to give him time. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. for the tailgate show, and then two games of basketball. I'm not going to talk between now and then. That's a good idea. <laughs> Great show. Thanks, everybody, for all your texts and, and phone calls here on 1240 Joe Radio.